the Old Testament, God raised up incredible heroes to accomplish his plan on earth. Oftentimes, they are portrayed as superhuman and near perfect, when in reality, they were normal, everyday men and women with strengths and weaknesses, just like everyone else. In this series, CMC's pastors will share the stories of these heroes of faith and what we can learn from them as we pursue God's call on our lives. Join student pastor Josh Barnett as he teaches on Ruth. Well, welcome to church. Excited about part six tonight. We're going to be looking at the book of Ruth tonight. I uh, want to welcome all those joining us on podcasts as well. Really excited about this series we've been doing. So, uh, so I've got the first girl, and then I'm also doing another girl next week. So uh, I don't know why I got all the ladies. I guess because I was the young man on the totem pole, but, but I got all the ladies. So I'm all about girl power uh, tonight and next week. Let's go. <laughs> well, Interesting, just the characters we've been going through, um, right towards the end of Judges, and then right before we get into 1 Samuel, there's this, this little four-chapter book that's just sandwiched right in there that is really short, really concise. You can read it in less than 15 minutes, and it's just kind of like, why is, this, why is this story in here? And I want to look at that tonight, because um, Genesis through Judges focuses on Abraham's descendants, how they became a nation, and the covenant that God made with Israel. And then after that, in 1 Samuel through Kings, it tells the stories of the nation's kings and then the covenant that God made with King David. And what Ruth does is it helps transition from the days of the judges into the days of, Je of David because it, in, it starts in the beginning talking about what the judges ruling in Israel and then it ends with a genealogy leading up to King David. And one of the reasons it does this is I, I, I really believe that, um, that this book helps prove that, that David should be a king or why he could be a king because Ruth is one of David's ancestors and she's a Moabite. A Moabite. Now, the Moabite nation was started because Lot's daughters, after Sodom was destroyed, Lot's daughters got him drunk and slept with him. And the nation came from those descendants. And then <laughs> kind of a, another, where, where they kind of blew their chance at redemption was the Moabites didn't allow the Israelites to come through their land when they came out of Egypt. And then at one point, Moabite women seduced Israelite men and slept with them and had kids with them, and God struck those men with a plague, and it killed like 24,000 men. So the Moabite nation doesn't really have a great history here. And so this is, but this is where Ruth comes from. Um, and so they had this law that, that you couldn't be royalty, you couldn't be a king if a Moabite was so far back in your genealogy. And so if you, you, but you couldn't even be an Israelite, really. So if you couldn't join the community, community they definitely didn't want you to be king. But so this book really it helps build the case for King David. Um, and it's kind of written like a play, too. I think maybe, maybe we need to get with Lindley and have her write a play on Ruth because it's kind of written like a play. It has an intro in each chapter, and then it's got some dialogue. So it's kind of like a drama that you're reading here. And we'll talk about that a little more here in a minute. But this book shows the faith of Ruth from uh, really she comes out of a horrible nation, and it shows her faith that she puts in God. And then it also shows um, that David can be king, and it shows how God accomplishes his purpose in the world through the story of Ruth. Now, the book of Ruth is a story of God's grace during difficult circumstances. We're going to see that in chapter 1. Um, during the time of Judges, I mean, you read the book of Judges, and it's just nuts. They just couldn't figure, the Israelites just couldn't figure it out. They had a lot of idolatry, a lot of disobedience, a lot of violence, um, lots of 
crisis, but it's, it's God always raises up a remnant. Whenever there's, there's deep um, sin, there's deep idolatry, there's, deep, there's a lot of disobedience, God always raises up some that will follow him no matter what's going on around them. And we see that in this story. And then Ruth is also a love story. Um, Ruth is a beautiful love story that we're going to see tonight. But it's, what's amazing about Ruth is it's a, also a type and shadow of our love story with Christ. So the book opens with famine and death. Real exciting as we open in chapter 1. But a man named Elimelech, who's a resident of Bethlehem, a famine strikes the land, and so he moves his wife Naomi and his two sons to the Moabite country. So they've run out of food, so he moves his family to the Moabite country because he hears that they have food. And so his plan was to stay here temporarily and then come back, but then he dies suddenly. He dies suddenly, and his two sons take Moabite wives. Within 10 years, his sons have died as well. Now, it could be that there was a law against marrying Moabite women. That could be some consequences of their actions there. Um, But this tragic beginning sets the stage for the rest of the book. And as we set the stage, I just want to say that God often uses these sorrowful moments because you've got this woman who's lost her husband, and now she's lost her two sons, and she's she's not at home anymore. But Romans 8, 28, what God what the devil meant to harm us with. Like, God is going to work all things together for our good. So I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through the night, these sorrow, a sorrowful moment that you may be in right now, God is going to set you up for your greatest destiny because the devil's trying to take you out, but, but, but God has got you on the come up tonight. Okay, so I want to start here in chapter 1. After that, That's the setup. Verse 6 here says, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed the people in Judah by giving them good crops again, So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to their homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out to the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mothers and homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why would you go on with me? I, I can, can I still birth other sons for you to grow up and become your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again, even if it were possible. If I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Are you going to wait for them to grow up? Refuse to marry anybody else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Now I want to pause right there. Because she, Naomi's just, she's got a real tough outlook on life, and I know some tough things have happened to her. But I will say, too, that she left God's land. She left God's land. And Elimelech, it never talks about him praying about where to go. He never asked the Lord, is this the place that we should move to? Because I think God's answer would have been no. These people are your enemies that you're moving to. I've told you, you're not supposed to intermingle with them. You're not supposed to marry with them. And so I think many times we cause consequences in our life, and then we blame God for it. And I think that's what Naomi is doing right here. She's blaming God for some things that she has caused in her own life. The Lord didn't raise his fist against you. You lived in disobedience. You left when he didn't tell you to go. So, moving on. (laughs) And again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed the mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. 
Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. I love in verse 13. 14 where it says that Ruth clung tightly to her because I think in in tough moments like this we have to cling tightly to the Lord's goodness no matter when things aren't going the way we want we have got to hold tight to him no matter what when others are falling falling away Orpah turned away went back to her home and Ruth said no I'm staying with you I'm clinging tightly with you I'm going to go wherever you go. And we've got to hold tightly in our lives. This is just a picture of what we got to do with God's goodness. We have to hold tightly in our lives. And there, I think it's incredible. There's not much said about Naomi, but there was something in her that Ruth saw that said, I got to stick with her no matter what I feel like. Is there something inside of us? Is there a way that we act or a way that we carry ourselves or the law that we live by where people from the world can see there's something different about you I'm going to come alongside you, I'm going to cling to you, and I'm going to follow you because of the way, the way you're living and what you're doing. It makes sense. Are we living in such a way that people want to cling tightly to us? But we ourselves, we're called to be a holy generation, and we've got to cling tightly to him even when our world is burning down around us. A key theme here that we see with Ruth and Naomi's relationship in this whole book, just kind of central theme, is loyalty. Loyalty is a key thing that we see in their relationship. And the Hebrew word for loyalty is mentioned three times in the book. And it's the same word used to describe David and Jonathan's friendship. And I don't know if you've ever done a study on David and Jonathan's friendship, but these guys were like, they were besties. They were besties for life. Like they were, they were never leaving each other. They were best, they were bros. And uh, they, they hugged it out all the time. Like they were, these guys were never separating. And, and that's the same word that it used to describe their relationship here is loyalty. Now loyalty is a steadfast faithfulness to a person, organization, or belief. And Ruth had a loyalty to Naomi. She honored her. Ruth remained loyal to her despite the potential of personal loss. Because remaining loyal to Naomi meant that Ruth had to leave her home, had to leave her parents, had to leave, because Naomi said, go back to your mother. I'm your mother-in-law, go back to your mother. So she's leaving her mother, leaving her country, leaving her friends, leaving her culture, and most likely giving up the chance of ever remarrying again, ever having children again. And that's, what, that's the cost that Ruth is about to walk out here. And there is a cost to loyalty. Loyalty to Christ is going to cost us some things along the way. And we're going to have to know, we have to know that it costs us some things. God calls many of us away from our homes, away from our countries. Many times we have to leave behind friends and families. And most of the time we have to give up our plans, right, for his plans. We have to give up the things that we want to do for him. And Orpah, her other daughter-in-law, loved Naomi but not enough to follow her. And I think you see that in a lot of people's lives where they say, I love Jesus, but I'm not going to go that extra mile. I'm not going to lay down everything. And, and even when I look at Orpah, I think of Matthew 19, the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler. I like to call him the poor young slave uh, because he was a slave to the, th- like his things owned him. 
And I really believe that he loved Christ, but I don't think he loved them. He didn't love him to a degree that he was going to sell everything. And that's the love, that's the type of loyalty that Christ calls for, is that we will sell everything in order to be with him, in order to follow him. And we got to understand that there's no salvation unless we're all in. God doesn't play the lukewarm game, right? I talked about this a little bit on Sunday. He didn't play the lukewarm game. You're, you're all in or you're all out. You gather or you're scattered. You're a sheep or you're a goat. It, there's no middle ground. It's all in, and that's, that's what it costs. And, uh, and Jesus said that, that it would cost us some things. In John chapter 15, verses 18 through 21, Jesus said, If the world hates you, remember that it first hated me. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer a part of this world. I chose you to come out of it, so it's going to hate you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. And in Matthew 18, 19 through 20, he, a teacher of the law came to him and see, said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Following Jesus costs us something. We'll face persecution. We'll be mocked. We'll be ridiculed. And we can see many of our brothers and sisters across the world are killed for following him every single year. We have to understand that loyalty to Christ in the world that we live in always bears a price tag. Always bears a price tag. And I'm going to say, even being loyal to a church bears a price tag. You're going to be, many times you're going to be mocked and ridiculed for coming to church here. You're going to be, the world is, doesn't, the devil doesn't like what's going on here. He doesn't like what this church is doing. And so there's going to be, there's going to be ridicule. There's going to be things said about you. The world is going to gossip about you. They're going to spread rumors. Of, things are going to stir up about this church. And it, 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 there's a price to, to cling to a church, to be a part of a church, to be a part of a body of Christ that's doing something. And that's a, that's a good thing. That means we're doing something right. We're blessed. Blessed are the persecuted. <laughs> like, we're blessed because that means we're doing something right. That means we're, go we're going somewhere. We're doing something for the kingdom of God. I don't think the devil would care about us very much if we weren't doing anything. He really wouldn't. The devil wouldn't care about us if we weren't doing anything. Ruth, Ruth's attitude mirrors our call in Luke 14.33, where it says, So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything that you own. And that's what Ruth did following Naomi, and it perfectly pictures our example of us being a disciple of Christ. The loyalty she, she swears to Naomi is that what we must have with God. Wherever you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people might be my people. Your God will be my God. And so we've got to have that same attitude of wherever you lead me, Lord, I'll go. I'll live wherever you want as long as you're there. You know, Moses, God was sending Moses somewhere. Moses said, I'm not going unless you're going, Lord. And we've got to have that attitude. I'm not going unless you're going with me, Lord. God, I will, I will be a part of your church. I will be a part of your people. I will follow you. I will give my life for you. I will die for you. And this is great right here. I will die for you. But guess what? We get raised to life with him. And so that's the incredible thing because Ruth said, I will die, I will die with you. I want to be buried with you. And we're buried with Christ, but we're raised to new life and we're going to live with him forever. God requires loyalty to those that serve him. We see that in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. We see that in Hosea 6, 6, that he magnifies our loyalty. He magnifies our, our obedience above every other kind of worship. And he does this because God himself is loyal. He is loyal to us. In Exodus 34, 6, talks about his unfailing mercy, his unfailing love, that he will never leave the Israelites. He will never leave us. 
We must have loyalty with our relationship with Christ. Follow him wherever he leaves, leads. He loves us. And what's awesome here, too, is there's kind of this picture with, with Ruth and Orpha is that, that God loves us so much, Romans chapter 1, that even if we refuse to follow him, he gives us that freedom of choice. And so if we choose something other than him, he says, okay, you can go have it. He's not, he doesn't force us into anything. He gives us that freedom of choice because he does love us so much. But when we remain loyal to Christ, our destiny is unlocked. Our destiny is unlocked. Now, Ruth is saying these things, but, you know, good words aren't good actions. And so does, does she follow through? Does she follow through with what she says? Um, Philippians 2, 4 says that love looks out for the interests of others, not our own. And so does Ruth follow through? Let's see what she does here. In verse 19, it says, So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited. They saw Naomi. Uh, she she kind of has a pity party again here. But then we go into uh, chapter 2, verse 1. So there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz who was a relative of Elimelech. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields and pick up stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. So we see here that she is going to now provide, that she is going to go and she's going she's to go and work. She followed through on her word. And so she goes out into the field. Verse 3, Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and it happened she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz. Now I want to pause real quick here. He's going out to the field because there was a... Jewish law that said that the harvesters could only go through, and they could only go through one time. And so anything that they missed got left behind. And this was, this was, uh, this was God's welfare program. This was his social security program. It, it, so he, he didn't give, God didn't hand people a check for doing nothing. He, they actually had to go out and pick stuff up off the ground. They actually had to go out and do some work. But this was for, for the poor. Deuteronomy chapter uh, 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15. He says um, that there should be no poor among you. And so that was what this was for, so that they could go out and work and pick up the things that the harvesters left. And so this was really cool here, God uh, taking care of people. And also, um, women, nothing against you, but in this time, in this generation, like you couldn't go get a job at Walmart. You couldn't go down the road and provide for yourself. Many times, if, if, there, if there was a woman that was widowed, she was going to be poor. She was going to be a beggar. A lot of them went into prostitution because there was no way that they could provide for themselves because the work was very strenuous and there was a lot going on. And so for a widow to provide for herself, it was, it was a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And so, but, and that's where it's about to get really cool here. So um, in verse Four, while she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? Which, um, and nowadays, basically what that means is check her out. <laughs> so, so he's asking about her. He notices her. The foreman replied, she's a young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvester. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest. Boaz went over to her and said, listen, my daughter, stay here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to the other field. Stay right here behind the young men working in the field. So which part of the field they're harvesting, follow them. I warn them not to treat you roughly. Uh, you, can, you can drink any time that you want to. She falls at his feet. What have I done to deserve such kindness? I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know that what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard the way that, uh, 
I've heard how you left your father, your mother, to come here as a complete stranger. May the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I can continue, please, sir. You have comforted me by speaking to me. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here. here. We got first date right here. First date. At mealtime, Boaz, I told you it's a love story. Boaz called her over, help, help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in sour ranch. She sat with the harvesters. Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. And, and then we see the love story continue here. She went back to work, and, and Boaz tells his men, drop stuff for her to pick up. You know, don't, don't, don't. I want you to miss stuff on purpose so that she has plenty to pick up. So we just see this sappy love story going on here. Um, it, it's almost too good to be true. Like, guys, have you ever been watching a chick flick with your wife and, like, um, just watching this? This is ridiculous. This would never happen. That's, that's what I think when I watch it. And I look over, and my wife is crying. I'm like, what are you crying? This is, this is so baloney. Like, that would never happen. But, and that's what we see right here. We, this is like a chick flick playing out because it's, it's just... Oh my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> but I really believe what God is doing here with Boaz is he's rewarding Ruth for her loyalty. He is pleased with her because she has laid her life down. And it, I, it's not coincidence that she stepped onto Boaz's field. It looks like it's just a stroke of luck, but it's not coincidence. God has orchestrated something to happen here in her life. Um, so if you ever think that God is not working uh, in your life, just, just look at where you are right now and how you got here. Like, how did you get here? Like, that, some conversation, some person that you met, something that happened. It, it, I'll just give you my test. The only reason that I live in Arkansas is because my mom joined the Air Force. They're from, my whole family's from Mississippi. Why am I in Arkansas? It, she, joined the, she joined the Air Force, and we moved back to Mississippi when I was four years old. I have a four-year-old now. Like Micah, if we moved away, he would never know that, that, that this was home. He would just stay where he was. So, but this, this church that planted seeds in my mom's life when I lived here, when my parents split up, my mom moved back to Arkansas for a church, and it wasn't this one. So how did I end up here? We moved back to, we moved back to Arkansas for a church. My mom's friend knows somebody that comes to this school, CMA, and so my mom is like, I want to go check it out. We go check it out. I come here at school in the ninth grade, graduate, go to college, stay here. I've, David Pate, one of our pastors, he was kind of, he was kind of a father figure in my life. He, he took, I actually lived with him and his wife, Melissa, for a long time in high school. I fell in love with basketball because of him. I went to college to be a teacher and a coach, got hired back here on uh, staff here to be a coach and a teacher, and now I'm a youth pastor because I fell in love with youth ministry, but that would have never happened if I hadn't gone to college to be a basketball coach, to be a teacher, got hired here, then helped out in youth ministry, then got ordained, and then was here. Like, how did all that happen? Because my mom joined the Air Force. Like, that's, that is God. Like, that's not coincidence. That's the Lord. That wasn't, that was not coincidence. My, my wife, Sarah, her grandmother, used to come to Hedy Lou sem seminars, and so she sent uh, my mother-in-law and uh, Sarah's mom and her aunt to Brook Hill their whole life, and so Sarah came to Brook Hill her whole life, and then heard about this place called Applied Life Leaders Academy. She wasn't going to come because it used to be Applied Life College, but now that it got switched to an internship the year that she was going to come, and so she came because it switched to an internship. We met, guess what, playing basketball, crazy, we met playing basketball, 
uh, and I think David really guilt-tripped her into coming while she came to the camp called High Point, and we met, fell in love, and now look at where we are now. And people would say, that's just coincidence? No, it's not. That's not luck. That's God. Only the fool says in his heart, there's no God. Like, God got us here. He got us here. And so what we got to do is just obey God. Just stay loyal to, loyal to him, and he'll work out the details. Let him work out the little details. There's no need to manipulate. There's no need to complain. There's no need to worry. There's no need to worry. Just follow him with all you got and let him work on your behalf. And I love in verse 8 when Boaz tells Ruth, don't go anywhere else. I've got all you need. Don't go to any other field. And that's what God says. If you'll follow me, I've got all you need right here. And in verse 15 through 17, it talks about how much she gathered. She gathered what they called a, if I can pronounce this right, an ephah, an ephah. And an ephah weighed over 30 pounds, over 30 pounds of grain, okay? Now, when you say, well, okay, that's not that big a deal. Most widows that went and gleaned from the field got about a pound a day. And she walks away with over 30. That's a big deal. This would be a month's wage that she walks away with in one day from this guy. This dude is spoiling her. They've only been on one date. They just met. He's making the rest of us guys look bad. And so she gets home. Naomi is shocked. Naomi says, let's see, verse 19, where did you gather all this grain today? Where did you work? May the Lord bless whoever helped you. So she told her mother-in-law about the man whose field she had worked. And now I I feel like there's a buildup here because Naomi, listen, Naomi's beaten up on herself. Naomi hasn't heard the name Boaz yet. Naomi's been beaten, beaten up on herself like she's having a pity party. Her, life, her life's going to hell. She feels awful, everything. And, and, and then Ruth comes in. Where did you get all of this? And then she says, a man named Boaz. And I can see Naomi's face lighten up right there. I'm related to Boaz. I know Boaz. I, he's, our, he, he's one of our kinsmen. <laughs> he's, one of our, he's one of our closest relatives, she, she says in verse 20. He's one of our family redeemers. Verse 21, Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said. And I already know, Naomi, she's just, she's plotting right here, right? She's plotting. As people, we plot on trying to get our, hooking our kids up and getting married and all kind of stuff. We're just, just plotting whenever they meet somebody that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> but she's saying, go, only go back. You'll be harassed in other fields. Stay in his field is what Naomi tells her. And so then we see in verse 1 of chapter 3, my daughter, it's time. I found a permanent home for you that you'll be provided for. Boaz is a close, close relative. He's been kind in letting you gather grain with, with his young women. women. Tonight he'll be at the winnow, winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath. Put on perfume. Dress in your nicest clothes. She says she's getting her all fixed up. She's going to prom tonight. Getting her all fixed up. Be sure to notice where he lies down, then go and uncover his feet and lie down there, and he will tell you what to do. Now, this sounds kind of weird, like in our time, like, well, go uncover his feet. What are you talking about? That's, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy. This, but this wasn't weird at all in this culture. She was, we could see in Ruth that she's an awesome, amazing woman, and Boaz is an awesome, amazing guy, and they've, they've shown nothing but character, so nothing shady is going on here. Um, and I, I love the excitement of Naomi. Um, because she has seen that God is about to be faithful to her. She has seen that, that, that God is about to come through for, for her in, in what looks like her darkest time, because uh, she thought that God had forgotten about her. 
And you may be sitting here tonight, and you may think God's forgotten about you. You may, you may think that he doesn't see you, but I want, I want Ruth, I want this story right here with Boaz to give you hope. Uh, God won't forsake you. You may feel beat up, drained, lost, sick, abandoned. You may feel like all hell is against you, like you're surrounded on all sides. But I'm here to tell you tonight that God's love hotly pursues you. God's love hotly pursues you. In the words of the prophet Elisha, greater are those in number that are for us than those that are against us. In the words of the apostle John, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I want you to know tonight that God sees you, that you are above and not beneath you are the head and not the tail. That you're blessed going in and you're blessed going out. That your cup overfloweth tonight. And so whatever you're going through, I want that. So the word Jesus tonight, Jesus hotly pursues you. Let Jesus do in your heart tonight what Boaz did in Naomi's heart in this story right here. So we go into her little action plan here um, <laughs> to, to, hook, to uh, hook these guys up in marriage. Um, but their character was above reproach. Um, she was going in and, and hoping to find a new spouse. And I love that Ruth, Ruth trusts Naomi. Ruth is going to do exactly what she says. Boaz wakes up and sees her, surprised by a young woman laying at his feet. I'd be surprised. I'm trying to sleep, and I wake up, and a young woman's at my feet. And she's uncovered my feet. What's that all about? <laughs> but he says, who are you? I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Basically what she says here is, I'm a widow, and I want you to marry me. So Ruth is like doing the proposing here. Like she's bold now. She's doing the proposing here. <laughs> the Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. And that shows his heart right there. My daughter, right? He doesn't say, curl up here next to me. Or anything like that. He says, the Lord bless you, my daughter. So they're, they're not married. They're not anything like that. And he has this father's heart for this girl. He has this father's heart. He's not going to do anything. He's not going to do anything sinful. He's not thinking of her in any lustful way. He calls her my daughter. And he goes on to say, verse 11, don't worry about a thing. I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true, I am one of your family redeemers. There is another man more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight. In the morning, I will talk with him. If he is willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he is not, then surely as the Lord lives, I myself will redeem you. What a man. This is a man right here. Girls, if you're single in this room, you're looking for Boaz. Because he cares more about his relationship with God. He cares more about being a virtuous man. He cares more about his character than the way that he feels, than what he wants to do. Obviously, he's attracted to Ruth because in the field, he was, he was like, who is that over there? Like, I, like she is fire. Like, I want, like, she's awesome. Like, I want to know who she is. But he doesn't worry about the way that he feels. He does what's right. He does what the law of God says. It's not about the way that he feels. He cares more about his relationship with the Lord than he does about wanting to marry this woman, which is just incredible. And so in chapter 4, he meets, he, he calls the, the witnesses. This is by law what they're supposed to do. He calls 10 witnesses. He calls this guy in and he says, listen, this, this land, you can redeem this land for Naomi. You can buy this land for Naomi and you can help her out. You're the closest relative. And the guy's like, oh yeah, I'll do it. Like, I, I'll take that land. And he goes, but, I forgot, but, if you do, you have to marry her, her, her uh, Moabite daughter-in-law. And so the guy's like, I'm out. <laughs> 
You can have it, Boaz. So Boaz, Boaz gets what he wants. He takes it. He's able to become what we call a kinsman redeemer. He's able to buy the land. He's able to marry Ruth. And if we go down here um, in verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to the son. Then the woman of the town, women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has provided a redeemer for your family. May this child become famous in Israel. And I think it's incredible. We just see Ruth and Boaz are a picture of us and Jesus. We're, we're Ruth. We're, the, we're the, the girl from the poor girl, the poor widow from Moabite, and we're looking for our kinsman redeemer because we couldn't do anything on our own. We were going to be poor and destitute for our whole life, and Jesus steps in, and he buys us back. He buys us back like, like Boaz does, how he redeems this land and takes him. That's what Jesus did for us. When we had no hope, when we were aliens, when we were foreigners, when we were poor in this world, Boaz is this redeeming picture of Christ redeeming us. Just like Boaz wooed Ruth, Jesus woos us. We must, but we make that choice to come and sit at his feet. He's our bridegroom. He went and bought us back, paid for us so that we could enter into relationship with him. And I think it's crazy that God placed, Bo, which Boaz's, uh, Boaz's grandmother was Rahab, which was the prostitute of Jericho. And so you've got Boaz, who has a, a prostitute in his line, and then you've got Ruth, who is, from, who, who is a Moabite. And you look at the genealogy of Matthew, and you see both of those names in there. And you think, why is a Moabite woman in the family line of Jesus? And she's in there the same reason that you and I are in his family now. She's in there the same reason that you and I are in his family now. Because of the great mercy and grace of God. The great mercy and grace of God. Because of his great love for us. There was a day when we were poor and destitute and he sought us as his family. He saved us from the wrath that we were due. He pursued us. The very son of God, Jesus, pursued us, left his throne to come after us. And now we are served at his table. Now we have all that we need in his field. We don't have to go anywhere else. We don't need bigger and better stuff. We have fullness of joy in his presence. No matter where you're at now, he has fullness for you in his presence. We have full satisfaction with our Redeemer. God is the ultimate kinsman Redeemer who desires to rescue his people and protect them. Boaz foreshadows Jesus as the kinsman Redeemer for all of humanity. And I skipped this verse on purpose. I want to go back to it because I want to end right here. And Naomi is talking to Ruth in chapter 3. Verse 18, then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. This man won't rest until he has settled things today. This man won't rest until he has settled things. His love won't relent until he has all of us. He will not stop until he has all of us. He will continue to pursue until if, if you're not at a place where you're supposed to be with Jesus tonight, he will continue to pursue you your whole life. He will continue to go after you. Our kinsman redeemer has purchased us. He has secured us. Our story is not over, but we know how it ends. We know how it ends. We know the ending that he's coming back one day to make all things right, that we are his and that nothing can separate us from his great love. Did y'all get some out of the book of Ruth tonight? Y'all stand with me. Stand with me and we'll pray.
God, we thank you so much for being our kinsman redeemer. We thank you so much for coming when we were poor and destitute. God, when we were lost in our own sin. Lord, when nobody else would come after us, you did. When the whole world is against us, you're for us, God. We thank you for that great love. We thank you for redeeming us, God. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you that these small stories like like we see, four chapters of Ruth can be completely life-changing, God. We thank you for being able to come in here and dig into your word, God. We ask that it would sharpen us as we study tonight, and we would leave here looking more like Jesus. And God, let us be a people that call others, that call our coworkers, our classmates, Lord, the strangers that we see, that we would call them to know you as a kinsman redeemer as well. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory tonight. And everybody said, amen. You have been listening to the Christian Ministries Church weekly podcast. Join us next week in our Heroes of Faith series as we minister on Esther.